Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome to Dr. Connie's House Calls. It is January. We're already entering a new year. And I am so delighted. I hope you had a wonderful holiday season, a wonderful new year. This is our eighth season, so thank you so much for getting us to our eighth season. Some things will stay the same from my show this season, and that includes the opening honorable mentions, which I always like to thank people. Attitude is a great attitude to begin with. So for the month of January, I celebrate the following people who are having birthdays. Dr. Patty Pepper, who worked with me for several years, wonderful physician in California, she is celebrating a birthday this month. Steve Lomanak, who was on Air Force One with me for many years. My friend Susan Weiss. Happy birthday, my dear Tara Yu, David Vandenberg. My dear friend Ananda Roberts had a birthday last week. Ivan Dimitrov had a birthday. Annette Schwab. Edie Yoder had a birthday. Casey Jensen, Rick Harrington. My dear photographer friend Katina Patrickwin. Dr. Mac McGuire has his birthday tomorrow as well as uh, Shelley Buckner, Vicki Conrad, happy birthday. Dr. Seema Mohan has her birthday on the 27th. Mark Wetterow, Ed Bulky, Dorothy Dowling, and last but not least, my dear friend of our family's, Al Poldas, who was my late husband's dear gliding partner. And uh, not to be forgotten, my birthday is the end of the month. I can't believe I turned six decades plus eight years. So I feel very blessed. I know women like to not tell people their age. I, I believe in sharing your age. People can figure it out, too. Even though I think on the Internet, if you Google me, my Wikipedia page has me three years younger. It had me in 1958. But, hey, I'll, I'll take that. But I feel very blessed. I am blessed, and I count my blessings. I'm so grateful because I really believe every day we have in this life is a gift. Every day is a blessing, even the tough times, because then I ask, what am I meant to learn? from this tough time? How is this going to make me a better person? So as I start the year with gratitude, I look at what I'm meant to do do in this life and then what I'm meant to do to move on and how that impacts other people. I look at anniversaries for the month of January. My dear friend Laura and Yvonne celebrated their second year anniversary, uh, uh, January 1st. Dr. Asha and Chris Devereaux celebrated their anniversary. Many people, when they look at this month, they start off not only the year and the month and the season with resolutions. That's the big deal, right? People are still doing that. And the common ones are losing weight. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to focus on my health. They're, as you know, very easy to make. They're tough to achieve. Uh, they've done studies of over, let's say, 3,000 people who are monitored for a whole year. 88% of them failed to keep their resolutions, despite 52% of them believing that they would. Uh, keep those even though they set them originally. So how do you keep your resolution? What do you do to make these things happen? First of all, look at your mindset, change your behavior. You have to ask yourself, why am I doing this change? Why, 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 what am I seeking? What's the payoff of my goal? How am I going to be better if I do this change? And then you pick the people around you who are your cheer, cheerleaders, who support you in your endeavors. Also do baby steps. If you say, I'm going to lose 50 pounds, that makes it harder. But if you can say, number one, I'm going to start stop gaining weight and I'm going to lose maybe a pound a week. I think I can try that. I'm going to cut carbs. I'm, you know, a little bit at a time, 
Don't do the drastic ones because they set you up for failure. As I look at this whole attitude of resolutions, you look at it's really about change. A new month, a new year, it's a new chapter, it's a clean new page. How do we handle change? You know, the only constant in life is change, and that's my friend Dave Rico, when he spoke about the five true things, that was the number one true thing that he said about life, that you'd only count on change. Life is about beginnings and endings, it's all about change. That is the only constant is change. So what brought that to mind was my special guest today and my friend, Dr. Julie, who even though it's about change, we've never changed the fact that she continues to return on my show because she's one of my favorite guests. She's the founder of A New Beginning. And I'm going to share Dr. Julie's bio. It's very impressive. And for those of you, this is her seventh time on my show, right? Lucky seven. She's a licensed clinical psychologist and internationally recognized expert in the dual specialty areas of eating disorders and complex trauma. Dr. Julian A. is on the faculty of Mayo Clinic School of Medicine, and she serves as a consultant and guest lecturer in the areas of eating disorders and body image. She's also the owner of, as I said, the practice in Scottsdale, A New Beginning, and the Healthy Way Out Treatment Centers. She is a dynamic international presenter, whose message of hope for full recovery from trauma-driven disordered eating has invigorated clinicians throughout the world, including professional audiences in Japan, Italy, New Zealand, Spain, Mexico, and Greece. She's a sought-after expert whose work has been frequently featured in the media. Most notably, she was featured as a top eating disorder expert in the E-Network docuseries, What's Eating You? What a great title. She also worked as a cast psychologist for ABC's Extreme Makeover, Weight Loss, Edu- uh, Weight Loss Edition, She's a favorite radio and media guest, definitely on our show in the areas of body image, eating disorders, healthy weight management, and relationships. So my dear friend, Dr. Julie, welcome. Oh, Connie, it is such an honor to be back again for my seventh appearance. You know, you're just becoming a regular, and I think that's something that is not going to change unless you get too busy and have to travel internationally. And we're really fortunate you're you're in studio because typically you're seeing patients or you're traveling and giving speeches and... It's such a joy to have you. You're the constant that keeps going, that really keeps me going. And you've helped so many of my patients. And you've helped me as a, as a dear friend. I mean, I look at my close friends, and you're definitely in that group. Oh. Somebody who's really been through a lot of things with me and the people in my life. You know, you've been busy. I mean, all your travel. But you still maintain your practice full-time, right? I do. I, you know, at the core is my work with my clients. And it really has been my life's passion for the past 30 plus years. And so that will always, always remain. It's just as much a gift to me as it is, I hope, to my clients to work together. It's a journey that is part of my spirit. Um, But I love now traveling and bringing really the healing work, the commitment to working on a deeper level so people can really have a chance at full and lasting change. And, and really bringing, you know, my reparative model to uh, clinicians literally all over the globe. So are you training other psychologists to practice the method that you yes. use in your business? Yes, your absolutely. Absolutely. 30 years ago, when I started as an eating disorder specialist, there was this really unfortunate myth. And that's 
once you had an eating disorder, Mm -hmm. you were destined to struggle for the rest of your life. And our models are primarily cognitive behavioral models that help with some symptom management, but it doesn't work on healing what has caused Mm -hmm. the disordered eating in the first place. Mm -hmm. And CBT, you know, is the most it's the first line uh, treatment for eating disorders, and it is at best 50% mm. effective. Mm-hmm. So why is that? It's because we have to work on what is underneath. And for many people, that's complex trauma. You know, as I was driving over here this this morning, I had spoken with a patient a month who was struggling with her weight. Um, her The doctor who was seeing her had sent her to a dietitian. And there are many wonderful dietitians. She put her on a diet, a FODMAP diet. Mm-hmm. And then she tried to follow it. She lost seven pounds in one week. Mm-hmm. And then she's just was her blood sugars were dropping. She was getting anxious and anxiety. And and it was in her conversation, it sounded she was very anxious. And she was sh- citing the case that her mother, my mother was the same as me. All I eat is junk food. Mm-hmm. All I, And my mother was like that. And so I guess I take after my mother. And she says that, I don't deserve to be healthy. So mm-hmm. she's already pinpointing some trauma mm-hmm. with her with her eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So somebody who I would plan to send to, to your center. Because I think because you can only hand somebody a diet and say, Okay, your new year resolutions, you're gonna lose fifty pounds. You know, we people trying these as ozempic injections, but you know, you can give them shots and meds and diets, but they're gonna gain the weight back. Yeah. Research consistently indicates that ninety five percent of the people that lose any weight on any diet are gonna regain all of what they've lost within Mm -hmm. one to two years, Mm -hmm. and 87% of those people are going to go on to gain even more more weight. And that's every single dieting cycle. So it is well-researched that dieting behavior actually leads to weight gain. We have that over and over and over again. But, But people don't want to embrace that because really our 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 culture is so um, based on the diet industry and it's really pushed by big pharma mm-hmm. and then there's a lot of lack of education with you know physicians that are really well intended but they don't understand that there is consistent research that says dieting behavior is the best predictor of future weight gain what I'm seeing in my practice people come and they'll say I want a shot of Ozempic, yeah. right? One of those new medicines that you take and it and kills your appetite. And they, mm-hmm. But then I said, do you know that once you stop it, you'll gain the weight back? Because, yeah. you know, it's temporary. It's only a temporary fix. It is. You know, you experience it, but then you're going to have nausea. Mm-hmm. You don't have the craving, but mm-hmm. what are you craving for? Right. So it's all the homework you have to do. Yeah. And the thing is, is that people that have an unhealthy relationship with food, yeah. it's not about being too hungry. Yeah. It's yeah. about eating for the wrong reasons. Reason. And oftentimes it's emotionally driven in the absence of other healthy coping skills. And that, I mean, this is a a whole episode in and of itself. But really when we look at, you know, complex trauma, you know, we look at what has obstructed a healthy relationship with yourself, with your body and with your emotions. Mm -hmm. And then 
food enters into that equation mm-hmm. because if we are ill-equipped to deal with these emotions in ourselves in healthy ways, it's going to go back to an old default setting and that's using food, right? Food is the very first way that we learned how to cope and sure. it's pretty darn effective yeah. Yeah. except for when we use it too often, it has that side effect of weight gain. So you work with other therapists to be trained how to bring that work with patients to yes. look at their trauma, their yes. trauma. There is an absolute need to really weave together eating disorders and complex trauma. So that's part of my platform. And then when there has been complex trauma, well, how do we repair mean? it? When you say complex trauma, yeah, what so, is that? So it's a great question. So the definition of complex trauma is um, when there has been oftentimes multiple forms of abuse. So that can be emotional, that can be physical, and that can be sexual abuse. It can also be neglect. Mm -hmm. That happens with your primary caregivers. Mm -hmm. So those are going to be your primary attachment figures. Mm -hmm. And that occurs during your early childhood. So your formative years when Mm -hmm. your emotional template is beginning to form. Mm And because it happens in those early years in your usually primary family, it happens chronically, right, over a long period of time. If it starts when you're three and you don't leave home until you're 18, Mm -hmm. that's been over 15 years Mm -hmm. that there is this trauma. Mm -hmm. So the psyche naturally in all of its wonder finds a way to cope. Mm -hmm. So the second definition of complex trauma is what your psyche does to compensate or to cope. Mm -hmm. And that coping mechanism that was adaptive early on comes into your adult life, but unfortunately, it becomes maladaptive when you're out of that environment. It doesn't work anymore. That's right. It's the detriment of you. That's right. Yeah. So that might mean that I'm not going to let myself get close in an interpersonal relationship because I'm going to be left or wounded. Right. That means I'm not going to ask for help because I'm going to be disappointed or neglected. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to connect to my emotions or myself because I'll be flooded with unresolved pain and I have no skills as to how to handle that. So I'm going to numb or detach or stuff it down with food. We're going to pause really quick because I want to come back and explore that as we talk resolutions and, and this season because I needed to hear that said because a lot of listeners were like, it's, Julie's work is amazing. Can you go oh, into it? So stay you. tuned on House Calls with Dr. Connie, Dr. Julian A. from Healthy Way Out. We're going to talk about starting the year off right. So stay tuned for more. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? 
My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Welcome back to House Calls with Dr. Connie and Dr. Julia Nay as we start off the year right. You know, we talk about resolutions and people wanting to change things. So how do we embrace change? That's the whole issue about how do you make change happen, but really embrace it, not have it forced upon you. And so you elect with resolutions, I want to institute change. Why is change so hard for us to accept, Dr. Julie? Well, I think that... You know, when we look at change, you know, I think that I really think of two areas of change that is most hard. And I think first it's change that is thrust upon us that we didn't intend or want. Okay. Like a death of a loved one, um, divorce. Okay. A pandemic. Okay. So this is change that we weren't prepared for. We weren't wanting. And it gives us a sense of lack of control. So it's hard. We want to fight it, right? We want to kind of really, you know, be angry and sometimes feel victimized relative to that change. And so I think it's important that we allow ourselves, I loved what you said earlier in the segment, change is a part of life, okay? We are not going to get through this life without change and unfortunately not change that is always, you know, directed by us. So I think it's important that we allow ourselves to what I say is to my clients is throw a tantrum, feel sorry for yourself, really release your really valid feelings of why this happened to you. And then your psyche is going to move on and say, okay, now what? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now what do I have to do, okay, to stop looking back? Because I think that that's a really hard thing. We look back. I remember when it was this way, Mm -hmm. and I wish it could be this way again, or how can I make the now look like it was? And we have to allow ourselves to let go, and that's tough. And then to create, you know, a new next chapter. Yeah. Okay. And it's scary. It's scary for a lot of people to do that, yeah. to move on. Are you seeing at this time of year, a lot of people going to you for help with, with change? I mean, is that what you see mostly? Something happened? Well, I, I, accept I, this? I think that, um, so I would say yes. I think that um, one of the things that I see 
front and center is is relationships, mm-hmm. right? So so in relationships there can be change because it's not just you, it's about the other person as well, right? So maybe you're in a mature marriage and you have grown apart. You know, maybe someone has an affair, right? So so it is we all seek and want intimacy. We all want to be loved, we want to be able to be vulnerable and be embraced and to feel emotionally safe. That's a really hard task, yeah. not just within ourselves, but because we have to find somebody that is able to do that at the same point in time as we are ready for it. And it's a tough thing. So I see a lot of people that come in because there's been change in their primary relationships that has caused them pain. I see people that also want to change aspects of themselves and they don't quite know how to do it. So we want to go about it in the right way. Um, oftentimes it might be they want to change kind of like their their physical um, health, you know, relative to weight and, and want to really um, get a relationship with food that's healthier. And I'm saying this with, you know, some deliberate kind of uh, caution because I am not one to advocate for dieting, but I am one to advocate for being able to get your relationship with food in a healthy place so that your body can then fall back into its set point and where it's meant to be, mm-hmm. right? When we're not emotionally eating or overeating, when we're not physically hungry, our body has a chance to adjust and get to its normal set point. And that's where we feel our best, right? One of the things I see in my practice, I have very successful patients, and they live long, thank goodness. I'm grateful for that. I always say that the goal of old age, if you can achieve this, is good brain, no pain. Mm. And and a lot of them I see, they go, what's happened to my body? They'll, mm. they'll have some event where it's almost like a setback. My body let me down. How can this happen? You know, I fell, I injured, uh, my memory's lapsing. It's, I call it you rage against aging. You're raging against aging. What's a healthy way to embrace aging? I mean, that's yeah. just a whole book. How do I embrace aging yeah. in a very positive way? Yeah, it is a whole book. I would say the very first thing is, you know, oftentimes when we really look at what's happening to our body, our body is not the one that's making us a victim to our body. We are usually mistreating our body. Okay. So we need to look at that and say, I want to take responsibility for loving and caring for my body self. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that doesn't mean rigid or perfect or all or none. That means, you know, get educated about what's healthy for your body from what kind of nutrition to what kind of movement to what kind of sleep. You know, if you're overdoing something, alcohol or sleep meds or whatever, you know, let's not sit there and get angry at our body. Let's take a healthy reflection of how we're treating our body Mm -hmm. and then work to change that over time. Do you see a lot of discrimination against people getting older or do you see them accepting more of the ageist type movement where you'll see actors and actresses who are older, like Helen Mirren? Yeah. You know, they're accepting more of people aging, of gray hair, of are you seeing a little bit more of that, that it's not such a... It's not such a stigma. You know, I see people retiring later. Mm-hmm. You know, here I'm 68. I'm still working. I'm not retiring. Mm-hmm. You know, I see more people doing. Are you seeing that we're becoming more accepting, I think, of older people? Well, we consider, I don't consider, you know, doctors used to think you're old when you're about 85. But if you ask my 85-year-old, they'll, they'll bristle. It's like, no, you're not till you're about 90. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah, so I, I think we can look at that from two perspectives. I think first is the individual perspective. And I I think, you know, I love working with people with being able to embrace themselves through whatever changes are happening in life, including mm-hmm. aging. And I think that when we really work to intentionally live our lives so that we feel good about what we are doing at every point in life, and that could be relationships, that can be dream fulfillment, that could be how we're caring for our body self, you know, that can be how we're loving ourself. When we are happy and fulfilled, we tend to embrace aging better because we just feel better about ourselves overall. Mm -hmm. Okay, so individually, I love helping people with that. I would like to say as a culture, we're more accepting of aging. I don't know that that's true. I think that just like the dieting industry, there's a lot of money in in, uh, convincing people that they should look like they're 35 when they're 85. So I think it would be a kinder societal uh, perspective to help people embrace what they look like and what a body does at age 85, then, you know, here's a pill or here's a this that you need to do to make yourself look 50 years younger when you're not. So I think we have a long way to go as a culture, but I think it's driven a lot of times by uh, business and, and money. What's going to sell, right? Yeah. One of the things that I always find interesting because I, I live in a shopping district and I go by the Victoria's Secret advertising that the models are big girls. Yeah, I love they're it. They're not all the, the, the skinny anorectic girls. Yes. They're, they're women who are, I mean, they're normal looking women. Yes. They're big women. Yep. You know, that you see commonly and they look attractive. They're mm-hmm. comfortable in their own I skin. I love it. It, is all, it isn't all the, the same type of look, which yeah. is good. It, it, it opened that up. The, the average American woman is a size 14. Is she really? And the average model is a size 2. Yeah, see, okay. I'm a two. And, and it's like, and that, oh, they actually, they put those clothes on sale because nobody buys them. Yeah. But it's hard to believe, you know, it's quite interesting. It is. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, 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 it's advertising. 14. Yeah, it's yeah. advertising that really messes with a lot of people's heads, especially yeah. young girls. Oh, it's tough because yeah. you're trying to fit in and be attractive and yeah. your definition of beauty, that's a whole different thing about beauty and the beauty industry and and what you consider attractive. You just got to find yourself beautiful and be accepting of where you are in life. And I, I see that with my older women who, if I've only had this surgery, if I had this done in my face or my body, I'll be perfect. And even after they have it done, it's not enough. Right. They never get to the point where they're happy. Right. Enough is enough. Yeah, because you really do have to um, love all aspects of yourself. Not all, like, 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 uh, exclusively, but mm-hmm. you know, you if you want to do something in life, you have to have the courage to go for it. You know, if you're unhappy in an aspect of your life, you have to be willing to change it. Yeah. Okay, you know, if you are miserable and you are complacent, it's going to bleed into I'm unhappy with my body, I'm unhappy with how I look, I'm unhappy with my partner, right? So I think we have to take responsibility for our own happiness and being able to be intentional and enacting change, I think is part of that. Yeah, you have to sort of partner with it. You say, I want to change this, but it's not going to happen to you. You have to be open and say, I bring it into my life. I want to manifest it, but I have to do the sweat work to, to make that happen. I have to make it happen. And, and you're emphasizing I. Right. And that's true. Right. Okay. It's not 
it happened to me. No, I'm going to make it happen. That's right. And that's where we go into kind of the topic of, of this uh, show, and that's change, right? I think people have to be willing to to make change happen in areas of their life that they are dissatisfied with or is not bringing them happiness. And that might be relationships. That might be what you're doing with your life or what you're not doing with your life, right? That might also be how you feel in yourself or your body. You know, so I think it's really important that we take responsibility and we say, Mm -hmm. you know, what do I like? What do I love? What can I embrace, Mm -hmm. right? Um, What are the things I can accept because that's just fine and, you know, maybe I wish it was different, but I'm okay that it's not. And then what are the areas that I'm really unhappy in? And and can I have the guts and the courage to step into change? Well, how do you get people to get, I mean, how do you give somebody an infusion of courage? How do you how do you do that? Do you, how do you get I, the confidence? I don't, I don't know it's that it's about giving them an infusion of courage. I think it's about validating that they are scared to death yeah. and that's okay. Right. And and the only way that you're gonna get what you want is to do it anyways. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't mean like like, you know, in an irresponsible way, but I'm thinking mostly things like, you know, in a relationship that is not happy. I work with so many people that come in and they are just dead in their relationships and they are accepting and then they're overeating as a result or they're over drinking or maybe they are having an mm-hmm. affair and then they feel guilty and filled with shame, right? And they're afraid to take the steps to say, we need to confront this and make some changes in our relationship, or Mm -hmm. I need to make a big change and leave this relationship that might be abusive or unhealthy or neglectful so that I can find fulfillment and happiness. So it's, none of that is easy. And at the same time, we only have one life. And if we are okay being miserable, and if, if I, you know, oftentimes I'll say, hopefully when you're 95 years old and you are on your deathbed and you're looking back, are you going to be okay with this choice and mm-hmm. how your life has unfolded? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is yes, then that's okay. But if someone says, I'm going to be in despair, yeah. then we talk about loving yourself enough yeah. to start enacting some change that usually your gut is saying and screaming I need to get out. I need to make a change. And it takes great courage to do that in your own way. You know, and it is hard to budge because a lot of people tell me, my patients say that they stay in an unhappy relationship because they know that, how bad it is, but they're afraid of what it's like outside of them. And I said, well, you have to take that chance Mm -hmm. because you are dying. Literally, your soul is dying. And how do you not know you may be happier? That's right. And when they finally step out, and they realize, you know, I'm the happiest I can be. They, they had no idea mm-hmm. how t- different they are physically, emotionally, spiritually different when they embrace that, that, that change. So we're going to pause. We're going to take another break. And we'll be back with Dr. Connie and Dr. Julian A. of Healthy Way Out, talking about change and how we can move forward in our lives and be the best we can be. So stay tuned for more on House Calls. Mm-hmm. 
Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families, Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano, this is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. Happy New Year and welcome back to House Calls. It is the first uh, show of the year on our eighth season. So welcome back. Dr. Connie with Dr. Julian A., who is returning for her seventh time, lucky seven. It's always a joy to have you here. We're talking about resolutions and people making changes. And, and do you even make resolutions? I mean, how do you approach the beginning of a new year, Dr. Julie? What do you do? I'm just curious. Yeah. You know, I don't like the word resolution because I think it sets us up for all or none thinking, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, I think too many times people set something up and then if they, you know, fail, quote unquote, then they they abandon it. And I don't think that that's good. What I do do, and I have done this for really decades, is I always at the end of the year take, you know, kind of like inventory. And and I really look at reflecting um, on, you know, am I happy in these various areas of my life. And I and I look at it uh, in a manner where then I want to realign myself for goals for the new year. And not a goal, again, like a resolution goal, but I look at, you know, financially, how do I want to direct myself? I look at what's important to me personally. It might be changes in health. It might be spending more quality time with my kids. It might be developing an aspect of my business or my career. Um, it might be personal growth. And I identify all of these areas and then I get specific um, direction about like what I want to see happen over the next year. And it's over the next 12 months, right? And then at the end of the 12 months, I look at the year before 
And I say, did I meet, you know, those goals? Did I actually live in that intentional way? Um, and I did that this past um, December. And, you know, I 80% of it was like, yes, I really did steer myself in that way. And I reflect back on that through the through the year, like once every two months, I take it out. Am I going in the direction that I Do intended? Write it out or? I write it out. Okay. And I and I keep them. I, I literally have had this for decades. Wow. Yeah. And and I and I get very specific in some areas and and then I have a little bit more general in others and what it does is it kind of um, it aligns myself with myself for the next year Mm -hmm. and and there's no right or wrong with what people choose it's just really what is important to you and I you know I, I don't think that we should just react to life I mean sometimes we don't have a choice but I think when we can, we should really steer ourselves and we should steer ourselves best, you know, according to our real self, what's important to us. And we do that by reflecting and revising and then realigning with our core self and our core um, values and really what we want to accomplish in that year of life. So I, I do that every year. I think it's a wonderful thing to yeah. do that. I mean, and, and, and you found that you be able to accomplish, you know, achieve those things as, as the direction changes, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what do you seek now? What are you looking for now? What What are goals that you have? Can uh, you share those? What, oh, in absolutely. Life? Yeah. So I'm also a woman that proudly talks about my age. You know, I think that, um, I don't know, I just think as a member of the female population, I think we deserve that, um, meaning... I don't want to join with this, you know, ageism thing, you know, mm-hmm. so I'm going to be 60 years old in March. It's a big deal, isn't it? Are you, you know, excited or nervous about it or scared? No, big so six-o? I actually um, didn't expect that I would feel this way, but I am actually really looking forward to it. And I feel like it is giving me a further um, really like emancipation, a liberation to really say, you know, I give myself full permission to spend my life the way that I want to spend it. Mm-hmm. And that's not selfish. That's self-supportive. I've worked very, very hard my mm-hmm. life. I've raised my family. I've supported my family. Mm-hmm. I've built a business, mentored lots of people and helped lots of clients, which I love. Um, I want to be able to write my books and So one of the things that I'm doing for my 60th birthday is I'm giving myself a one-month writing sabbatical. I am taking myself to a very soulful place that's close to my heart, New Zealand. Oh, wonderful. And I I rented a condominium that opens these sliding doors so I could see then this beautiful harbor. And I'm taking myself away for a month to be able to finally start writing the books that I've been telling myself I'm going to write for a long time. What a wonderful gift to yourself and everybody else. Those are the best gifts that you gift yourself, but you're really gifting the people around you. Yeah. Because you're bringing that joy into the world. And it's funny because I'm, I'm experiencing something that I don't usually, and it's what I hear a lot from my clients. I'm almost feeling a little bit like, you know, embarrassed or selfish by saying this, like, like oh my gosh, like that's a really self-indulgent type of thing. And my clients struggle with that. And I'll have to reflect on why I'm actually feeling that way, maybe because it's a big public statement of what I'm doing. But I think that... Um, I think that we we need to give ourselves permission, right, to fully support ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard for women. I think women typically support so many people around them. And um, 
60 to me said, it's, this is your time to do this, because if you don't, then you're not going to do it. And that's not acceptable. Well, welcome to adulthood, right? <laughs> and, 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 you know, you don't look at it as a number. I think it's a frame of mind that yeah. I'm a big girl now. I'm yeah. an adult. You know, I've made it this far. You know, people come into my treatment room, my exam room, and they look at my diplomas and go, you graduated in 1981. I said, yeah, I'm that old. But I don't consider that old. I just consider it an accumulation of knowledge and wisdom. Hopefully I've gained wisdom so that I can speak as an elder. Yeah. That's the hope that I can help people from what I've learned in life. Yeah. I think, you know, earlier decades of life is spent building, you know, um, you know, planning for the future, supporting, you know, your children and helping them to go into their future. And now I'm stepping into that stage of life where it's like, okay, you realize that life is short and finite. And if you don't do it now, it's not going to get done in your lifetime. And I think that that's a beautiful gift, right? It's, and nobody's going to do it for you. And no one's going to do it no. for you, right? No. You got to do it for yourself. That's right. So I, I always tell my clients too, and, and this is when we look at, you know, choices and change, you know, if you go for it and nothing comes of it, you can live with that, but you can't live with regret, of not having tried, mm-hmm. you know? So I always want to live life where, you know, I'm going to go for it. And if it doesn't happen, that's okay. But I want to be able to provide myself with my own self-integrity that says, you know, I, I've, I've done life fully and I've given myself the opportunities uh, to really just be fulfilled. And I think that's the best gift that you can give to yourself. You know, and actually you helped me break the habit when I would buy something for myself. You said that that is not selfish. It is self-love. And that's, that's right. actually healthy. Yeah. We want you to love yourself. You want you to take care of yourself because it's, why would you not? I yeah. mean, you, you, and then I look at it as women, a lot of times we're the last one on the to-do list. You know, mm-hmm. I've got, I'm going to take care of everybody else. Oh, by the way, I have to take care of me. But yet if I'm exhausted, if I'm burnt out, then I'm resentful of all the other people who are ahead of me on the list. So it would behoove me to take good care of myself. It's like the old thing about being on the airplane. You, you put your oxygen on first before helping the person beside you. But you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. It's funny, you know, because I'm, I'm doing what I really uh, encourage and train my clients to do to kind of run things through themselves to see what's causing what feeling. And I've been doing that as you're talking. And, you know, I think that as... as um, women and as a self, I've, I've, I, I have always felt like I have cared for myself in a positive way. Um, but I've taken care of so many people in my life, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I've taken care of my kids. I've taken care of my staff. I certainly take care of my clients, you know, in a mm-hmm. healthy and supportive way. So to, to step away for one month, right, away from all of those things, I think that I, I, I don't know when I've done that before in my life, right? One month, it's like it's I am okay. off of the grid. It's okay. Yeah. One of the things I did that was different this year, I, I didn't send out Christmas cards this year. Because, I mean, it was the only time my whole life I realized I didn't have time. Mm-hmm. I was busy. There was a lot going on. I really didn't have time to send out my Christmas card that I like to do because it was just too much stuff going on. And I, and, and then finally, my the lady who helps me says, why don't you just do a Valentine's Day card? And I said, well, you know, that's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. So I went over there. We worked on the card. And it was just about sharing love with everybody. Wow. And, Perfect. And that means I'm thinking about you because the ones who reached out to me and said, I had emails from friends from back east. They said, are you all right? You know, because your family knows you're okay. I don't, you know, I don't need to give you an update of my, what's happened in the last year. But, 
you know, the ones who haven't heard from you, who really do care, have reached out, right. maybe three or four of them, versus the other ones who get sort of the corporate card type of thing. And I, I allowed myself it, to do that, to not send out a card, because very disciplined me would have said, you fail. Mm-hmm. You failed to do that. You failed to do that. It's like, I didn't fail. Right. I got busy with other things, taking care of patients, being with my family, doing a little travel, and it's okay. Right. Because I don't think the people who did miss me reached out anyway. Yeah. And the people who needed the update already knew what was going on. So yeah. allow yourself some slack. It's okay. Yeah. You're not gonna. You're not gonna be punished. You're not. I mean, because we're so duty driven, right. right? No, I. I it's think okay that to take a month off. I and, think you know, that's true. I used to say to my staff, I mean, do I have to get sadly a bad diagnosis? I have to go, you know, surgery or chemo, God forbid, and then that would justify mm-hmm. taking some time off. Why get sick? Right. No, it's okay. It's a healthy. It's a healthy pause. Yeah. And and that's what COVID did. It mm-hmm. forced you. To, you're staying home. Like right. okay. You know, you're going to pause. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, really the process that you just talked about with the Christmas cards, you know, is, is the process of connecting to yourself and listening, right? So when we talk about change, when I talk about change with my clients, you know, the change should be directed from within yourself, right? It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks that you should do. It's listening to yourself. And if it's like, no, I need to do this for myself, I think to give yourself permission to do that. And if there are things that are an obstruction to that, like I I just really kind of went through that just even on this interview, like I'm doing that, but then I thought, oh, I feel a little bit anxiety or I feel like a little bit difficult saying that. And it's from that space of like, wow, you know, I've never completely stepped away and I've been someone that supports so many people in my life. So I think we need to connect with ourselves and say, you know, what feels okay, and let me keep doing that, what doesn't feel okay, and let me step in and love myself enough to make some changes. And then have the courage and the conviction to then follow what your soul, your spirit, your heart is telling you to do. Mm -hmm. If that's not doing a holiday card, or if that is taking yourself away to New Zealand, and then allowing yourself to do that without any kind of anxiety or guilt, that's the change that we need to enact because ultimately that brings us happiness and fulfillment. And that is our responsibility. You know, I, I love how you are taking care of yourself. You know, I, I, the, my, the word that comes to mind is soul kiss. Uh, it's a kiss for your soul. I yeah. have these events called Kisses from Heaven where I feel my parents or John or loved ones would come to and there is some affirmation of a, a music or or numbers, or some saying, or some billboard, or license plate. But when you do something like that, it, it's an act of love. Yeah, it's an act of love. And it and it feels that way, you know. Like like uh, I also talk a lot about internal parts, and the internal parts of myself that have been wanting to do this for a long time are literally so excited about doing this. It's the little kid that's who's right. going to play. And that's right. The the um, intention I set for last year was play. I did this intention, and it was try to play more. This year is love, is to really fully, deeply embrace love, not only giving love, but to receive love. And I think we, if we can each year start, what is really, not resolution, but what am I going to try to have more in my life that I'm going to welcome? It's really instead of a to-do list, because everything we do, we have tons of to-do lists. How do I want to steer myself in a manner that I'm going to feel fulfilled? Right. 
you know, make some changes that I don't feel good about, Mm -hmm. right? So that then I can look back on this year and say, this really supported my soul. And, and, and I came through for myself, because that's the most important thing. It's about our relationship within ourself. And uh, when we live from a space of self integrity, we usually come out feeling pretty happy. Well, you've, you've given me the final words to end this segment on our first show of the new year. Uh, Dr. Julia Nay, thanks again for being our seventh year guest. And we're going to anticipate next year you're going to come back to kick off another season. So thank you all for listening and making this our eighth season and more to come. So thanks again. Have a wonderful year. Think of your intention, what you'd like to see happening in this world, in your life. Bring yourself joy and be good to yourselves. So with that... Have a wonderful year, and we'll talk to you next month. God bless you all. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Have a terrific week.